You're listening to the Growth Experts Podcast. So if you're looking to 10X your business by learning proven growth strategies, you're in the right place. During my interviews with top CEOs, entrepreneurs, and marketers, I dig deep to uncover the real strategies, hacks, and tools to help you achieve your goals. And I'm your host, Dennis Brown. Hey, everybody. If you're interested in learning how to leverage LinkedIn for your business, this episode is sponsored by my book, The Seven Habits of Highly Successful LinkedIn Users. If you'd like to get a free copy, just send a text to 33444 with the word seven habits. That's the number seven habits to 33444. Let's get on with the show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. And today we have yet another amazing guest. His name is Jim Jubilier. And Jim is a business coach, an exponential mindset evangelist. He works with executives and entrepreneurs around the world to develop new ways of thinking to overcome their own obstacles in order to solve the world's greatest problems. The quote is, if you want to become a billionaire, find a way to help a billion people. Jim's workshop, Exponential Mindset, How to Thrive as the Pace of Change Increases, draws on the latest thinking from many fields. Jim has a unique ability to communicate in a way that inspires action. And I want to welcome Jim to the show. Thank you, Dennis. Yeah, you're from Chapel Hill. How long have you lived down there? I've been in Chapel Hill 21 years. 21 years. Wow. How long? Where were you before that? I escaped the New England winters. I lived in Boston. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I hear that story a lot. Northeast to North Carolina or the Southeast. So very, very good. Well, listen, I want to thank you for being here today. Today, we're going to talk about, you know, your specialty, which is, you know, how exponential technologies and an abundant mindset can change your business and your trajectory of your business, not only from a personal growth perspective, but from your, from your business growth as well. But before we do that, give us a quick backstory, if you don't mind. Tell us a little bit about what's going on over there, how you got there, and then we'll dive in. Yeah, great. Thank you, Dennis. After business school, I worked in the computer industry in Boston on Route 128. And then I spent a big chunk of my career as a management consultant doing service quality and customer satisfaction consulting. I helped GE start the Six Sigma Quality Program, and I ran the Guest Satisfaction Tracking Program for Royal Caribbean and Fidelity, among other brands. So I was really deep into the voice of the customer in the 90s and the 00s. And after the recession, I put together my passion for personal development and business development into my business coaching firm, which I've been doing now for seven years. Great. So in your firm, is it mainly you or do you have a whole staff or do you have a whole bunch of people working with you? Can you give us a little bit of sense as to your business, what it looks like? Yeah, this is a lifestyle practice. I'm the business coach and I have a staff of four part-time people who assist me in admin, marketing, IT, et cetera. Okay, great. So that's interesting. Before we dive into, you know, the whole mindset component, can you tell us, I'd like to learn a little bit more about how you as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, as a coach, get clients today. And the reason why I'd like to dive into that is because a lot of the people that are probably listening to this are coaches or want to be coaches. And so, and I think one of the struggles is how am I going to get my clients? Now, I know you have kind of a unique set of clients that you work with, you've niched it down. But what's the number one strategy that you're using today to get new clients? The number one strategy I use to get new clients is public speaking. 
Public speaking can be your local chamber or rotary all the way to being a keynoter in front of a thousand people. But you have to have both a point of view, an ability to deliver it, an ability to get on the stage, and then the both the content and the process to do the follow-up. If and when you have all of those components in place, you then generate leads. And the second thing, so public speaking is one, and the second is having a very well-defined sales process. And I could walk you through what I do, but basically the idea is to demonstrate a lot of value before ever talking about the investment level involved with the program. So that sales process, could you dive into that a little bit more? I mean, if you have multiple, I'm assuming that's just kind of like a nurturing sequence or multiple touch points. Could you expand on that a little bit? That would be ideal. Yeah, the, the phrase is be the coach. So selling is just coaching a person or a company to successfully complete a buying decision, whether it's a yes or a no. So you're coaching them through the process. What's their point of pain? How are you going to solve it? What is their confidence in your solution? What is their confidence in you as a person? And then what would the parameters of the engagement be? So I build, I layer that up on a a step-by-step basis. I never have a price and I never have a proposal. We do a lot of coaching first and then I say, well, would you like help with that? And if they say yes, I say, I can develop a growth plan for you and we will go get together again and go through the growth plan. So there's never a proposal. There's never an email. It's always live. It can be Zoom or Skype, but it's never, oh, let me email you that. And then I never talk price because there is no price and there is no cost. The coaching will pay for itself three to five times over the first year, at the end of the first year. And our goal is to accomplish a 10x after two years. So we build the plan for what would 10x look like? What would I have to do? What would they have to do to accomplish that? Once they have the confidence and the belief that they can accomplish that, I say, would you like to get started? Sometimes they say yes. Oh, by the way, what's this going to cost me? Other times people ask that question earlier in the process, but I try to delay it till the value and the the ROI have been very, very clearly established. Interesting. Okay, that's great. No, that's perfect. I appreciate you expanding on that. All right. So listen, you are the exponential advisor, right? So what I want to talk to you today about and what I'd like you to share with the audience is how this exponential mindset and the exponential technologies that are that we're experiencing can significantly enhance their business personally and from a business growth perspective. Could you dive into that a little bit for us? I would love you for you to unpack that. I pride myself on not using too many big words and I'm starting right away with a big word, so let's explain that. If I was to take 30 linear steps, 1 2 3 after 30 steps, I'd be 30 feet away. If I took 30 exponential steps, 1, 2, 4, 16, et cetera, I'd, after 30 exponential doublings, have gone a billion feet. So linear is 30, exponential is a billion. So what are we talking about? If I told you there's a couple of guys, four or five people, men and women, working in a second bedroom somewhere on some silly little app that goes on a phone that has something to do with blow up air mattresses 
And if I was to tell you five years later, their market capitalization was bigger than all of the hotel chains in the world combined, you would say that's impossible. But in fact, that's exactly what Airbnb has done. So right now we're seeing an exponential transformation in every industry. This isn't just about high tech and apps and software. We're seeing it in industry after industry. Enormous changes are underway. So that's just a little bit about the word exponential. A little bit about the word mindset is it's how you think. And it's what you say to yourself when nobody's watching, which is all the time. So self-talk, affirmations, meditation, mindfulness. There's a whole toolkit from the field of positive psychology that we use to help create and reinforce having a growth mindset. So when you put together awareness of exponential opportunities coupled with a growth mindset, you get to, Dennis, one of my favorite phrases I'd like to give to your listeners. It's trust the future. We don't trust what we don't know, and we don't know what the future is going to hold in store. So it's natural to be conservative, afraid, defensive, uncertain. And yet, if you look around at the people who are successful to wildly successful, they're able to see into the future and hold a vision for themselves, their company, their technology, their community. It's not just about business. It's in every field of human effort that the people that can trust the future and paint a picture and bring other people along are the ones that are getting the better results. Okay. So trust the future. So when you talk about, I mean, you, you, you said a whole lot there, right? You were talking about all the technology that's taking place and the fact that, you know, one of the things that really stands out for me is when they think about the media, right? When you look, I don't watch the news. I don't read local news. It just, I, I gave up on that over a decade ago. But, you know, most people realize, you know, if it bleeds, it leads and, and it, everything, the stock market's going to crash and everything's going to come tumbling down. I mean, is that kind of what you're, you know, how does that tie in? So we're actually hardwired to be fearful. It's in our DNA. It's how we've evolved. It's literally what has kept us alive. So we have a highly developed threat warning system. And the entire industries of politics, entertainment, and news have built up to prey on our innate fears. And so we see it throughout all of those systems. Most of the time, the most effective, the most effective candidate to get elected is the one who's able to stoke people's fear and then convince them to take action by coming out to vote. So politics is very much a fear-based approach. And some politicians sell kind of optimism, but most of the time it's a fear-based approach. Half of the top-rated TV shows on television are crime procedurals. That means they follow a set script, and the script almost always involves the murder of a middle-class person. So the people who watch TV are disproportionately convinced that crime is much more prevalent than it actually is. The news, as you well know, if it leads, it leads. We've talked about that for a long time. But now with social media, this problem has gotten much worse, much more challenging because we're in our filter bubbles and we just get really inundated with negative news. So your suggestion to turn off the TV is a great one. Still, you know, I like to keep informed. I don't completely turn off, but I don't consume it so heavily like most people do. 
So that's an important part of the formula is you have to surround yourself with positive people and positive information. Okay, perfect. So could you continue on with that framework that you were talking about, that exponential, you know, abundance and technology and mindset? I know you've teed it up, but could you expand on that framework that you, particularly what you do with your clients and kind of how you help them? I know it's custom, but I'm sure you have a basic framework or system that you use. Could you dive into that a little bit for us? Absolutely, Dennis. A hundred years ago, 16 million people died in World War One and 50 million people died of the flu. And that's back when population was much, much smaller than today. So what's happened in the past 100 years? Human longevity, this is how long people live when looked all across the world, has doubled. We now live twice as long as we did just 100 years ago due to advances in medicine, safety, a decline in violence. War is at an is actually at an all-time low. You wouldn't know it from the news, and there are still hotspots, and we're not at a 100% war-free planet. We are not. But there's no civil war in the Western Hemisphere. The world powers have not had a world war for 75 years. There are regional skirmishes, and I don't want to downplay that, but if you look at the history of those regional skirmishes in the past 50 years, in all cases, the aggressor had a, never ended up keeping the land. So even when there are skirmishes, they don't actually work. And we used to need a lot of land for food, to grow food. But now the U.S. population, only 2% of our workforce is working in, in farming. But yet our problem isn't starvation, it's, it's obesity. So there's plenty of food. It's not equitably distributed. That's a different problem. But there's actually enough abundance to meet every person on the planet's basic material needs. And when those basic needs are being met, they're less likely to be drawn into slavery, violence, war, or be trapped by a repressive regime. And that change is actually happening all over the world today. And the trends that are driving that aren't slowing down, they're increasing. So if you're in a war-torn part of pick any continent where you're worried about it, and a neighboring country creates peace and prosperity for its people, your country now has pressure to go in that direction as well. So we're seeing this trend playing out over time. It's not slowing down, and it's only going to amplify as some of the technology prosperity that's being created is going to be spread across the whole globe more equitably. So I say now is the best time in human history to be alive. Okay. So can you tie that back into some things that business owners, executives, you know, entrepreneurs, people that are thinking about starting a business, how they should leverage that knowledge and that framework to their advantage from a growth perspective? Yeah, great question, Dennis. I get that. People say, okay, yeah, yeah, that's all good. How do I hire my next salesperson so I can add another million in revenue? What's it? <laughs> there you go. So I want to answer that question in a moment, but I just want to spend a moment to talk about the future. I'm going to give you a 100% accurate forecast of what's about to happen. Change is coming faster than you think. There will be winners and losers. You're going to hear more from and about the losers 
then you are going to hear from the winners. And the incumbents who are going to suffer from disruption will do everything they can to prevent it from happening. And at the same time, it will be happening. So once again, speaking to the business owner, so what the heck does this mean for me? In my workshop, we go through a module on action planning. And you may have heard of the big, hairy, audacious goal, the BHAG. Mm -hmm. And I find that most small businesses can't wrap their head around that. It's too big. It's too abstract. What the heck does that mean anyway? But everybody can wrap their head around the three HAG. And that stands, Dennis, for the three-year highly achievable goal. The one thing that we're trying to summit the mountain for as a company and we get laser focused on what does that look like? What do we need to do to accomplish that? We break that down into annual plan, quarterly initiatives, all the way down to the daily huddle. Who's going to do what by when? What are your wins? What are your stucks? What's your focus for today? So it's a very comprehensive program of going. You can either start tactical and go to strategic and aspirational or you start aspirational and then break it all the way down to the tactical. So that's how we do the business planning. And then one component, just one component though, is we do, I do invite my clients to spend more time thinking about trends in their industry, trends in their market or their geography, trends in the workforce. I invite everybody to be more of a futurist. We tend to be like, oh, that's weird. Who does that? But Every company can start to be more planful for the future and be looking around at what these trends are. In some cases, they're trends they can hop on to benefit, for their benefit. In other cases, it's more of a defensive, like, oh, my God, this thing's coming and, you know, it's going to really impact us. So it's partly an offensive play, partly a defensive play. Okay. Could you give me an example of, I mean, you started with an example of Airbnb, but you just talked about how being a little bit more of a futurist and looking at the trends that are taking place today, you can either use it as a defensive or offensive. Can you give us a couple of examples of companies that have done that well, let's say over the last five to 10 years? Yeah. Rather than talking about companies, I want to talk about industries because it'll illustrate the point. One of the use cases I focus on, Dennis, are autonomous vehicles, self-driving cars. Some of your audience, when they hear that, they're like, what or eh, whatever, whenever. But in fact, the technology is advancing rapidly and there will be a time very soon where you're going to get into your car and you won't actually have to drive it. What am I talking about? I just bought a fully self-driving Tesla. Now, that software is not enabled, so you can't use those features yet, but they're selling it and I bought it. GM has announced that in two years, they're going to come out with a level five car. What that means is it doesn't have user controls. In two years, GM has publicly stated they're going to sell a car with no steering wheel and no gas pedal. So these changes are coming. At the same time, these technologies tend to get overhyped in the beginning and then take longer to come to fruition. But when they do come to fruition, they have a bigger impact than people realize. So in my work with companies, Dennis, we have a module called How Uber is Disrupting Your Company. And it isn't really about Uber specifically, but we look at these trends and we say, how might these trends impact us? If Uber and Waymo literally could operate a fleet of self-driving cars, 
what kind of new business opportunities or adjacencies could we pursue that we're not currently looking at? Okay, interesting. No, that's perfect. Okay, great. So do you have anything else you want to add to that framework, that exponential framework that you've been talking about? Yes, I do. I want to put together a couple of key threads here in an easy to understand way. When we talk about exponentiality, we're talking about doubling. There's something called Moore's Law that states a computer gets twice as fast every, it used to be 18 months, but now even the chip companies say it's every 30 months. There's an equivalent of Moore's Law for solar energy. It basically says solar gets half as expensive every two years, and it has for the last 20 plus years. And that trend shows no sign of abating. So what that means, Dennis, is six more doublings. So that's about 14 years from now. Solar is going to be so cheap that it's basically going to be free. Coupled with advances in battery technology and the smart grid, you're going to see a revolution in energy. And even then you say, well, how's that going to affect me? We don't know. That's why we have to sit down and take the time to map out what these trends are and what the realistic implications are, short, medium, and long term. But when I tell people energy is going to be free and the entire globe is going to be connected to the high-speed internet, how is that going to enable the creation of entire new industries we haven't even thought of yet? That's what we're talking about in terms of the scale of the opportunities. Wow, that's amazing. I I hadn't heard that. I'd heard of Moore's Law, of course, but I had never heard that stat on solar energy. But I'm not shocked, right? I mean, when you have guys like the big companies like Solar City and Tesla and and all these guys that are banking billions and billions of dollars on solar and, and, and the energy industry, I'm not shocked at all. So that's amazing. Now, the oil companies know all this as well. They don't say it publicly, but and you know their official position is to you know kind of defend their shareholders value which is their right to do so but if you actually talk to them about what their strategy is they're taking different responses some are going to be like we're going to pivot and go that way shell operates a network of electric vehicle charging systems in europe some are going to be more you know obstructionist but so what we're going to see, we already are seeing, we're going to continue to see a big battle between the entrenched incumbents and the new upstarts. And you're going to hear in the new, every time a self-driving car runs somebody over, and I don't want to minimize that, I don't, you're going to hear about it. But you never hear about the 33,000 people a year who are killed in car crashes and another 2 million who are injured. So that's where our mindset comes in. We want to keep an eye towards a realistic assessment of the future, not a Pollyanna-ish assessment, but recognizing that we can trust the future and we can do more than we ever thought possible. Perfect. Well, listen, we're going to have to wrap it up here really quick. Any final thoughts? I have an offer for your listeners. It'll be in your show notes, and it's a link to additional resources on this topic if they want to dive into it further. Before we do that, let me just ask you one, two more questions rapid fire, and then, we'll, and then I'll give you a chance to let them know how to get that. That would be great. What's your favorite growth tool or software when it comes to growing your business? Well, a simple one is my calendar tool. Literally, I don't have to schedule meetings with people. I just send them a link. They book time with me. We get on the phone and we have our meeting. So who do you use? Time trade. Time trade. Okay, great. And what's one book that you've read recently that you think would be valuable to my audience? Scaling Up 
which is a business coaching book that describes the scaling up methodology that I use in my coaching program. Perfect. Awesome. Well, listen, that was fantastic. I really appreciate you, Jim, being here today. Let the audience know how they can connect with you, learn a little bit more about what you do, and then we'll close it out for today. Yeah, well, it'll be in the show notes. JimJubelier.com is the website, but I've made a special landing page just for your listeners that go directly into the resources about exponential mindset. And I encourage everybody to continue their study of this stuff because the more you learn, the more you earn. Perfect. And that's why they're listening to your podcast. Awesome. Well, listen, I'll make sure I include that link in the show notes and uh, we're going to wrap it up for today. Thanks for being here. And I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much, Dennis. Thanks, Jim. Listeners, I want to thank you for tuning in. I truly appreciate your time. If you're enjoying the podcast, then do me a huge favor. Click the subscribe button now and please leave me a review. It would mean a lot to me.